this month going to be called? The Supernatural. Where in the world do you start teaching <laughs> about the supernatural? <laughs> I have been giving the, given the task, the joy, the privilege of saying, Lord, get us ready for what you want to do in your spirit. So I've been thinking about how to begin. First, let me say welcome to everyone that's here. It's, it's wonderful to see you. If you're a visitor, welcome to Northwest, and um, we hope you find a home here. If you are a member, a regular attender, we thank you for your faithfulness to God's word, God's kingdom. We believe that there are blessings for being faithful. So let's start with um, a sentence that I find appropriate for what we're going to be talking about this month. Let's read this sentence together. Everyone wants to see a miracle, but no one wants to be in the situation that calls for one. Is that true? <laughs> of all the times that we pray for people that need a miracle, situations that calls for a miracle, health situations and, and weather conditions and homes and marriages that need a miracle, we ourselves don't want to be in that position because we know the miraculous is something that has to take place. So we're, we're beginning this month where we are inviting God to do something new with us. All the while knowing that we don't know what's ahead. What we do know is that God is good. What we do know is that God is our Father. What we do know is that God will never give us something that has not passed through his hands first. What we do know is that God is supernatural. And you think, well, that's kind of an obvious thing to say. But sometimes I think that we kind of start living our lives and we go through our day, different relationships and the things at work, and we, we, I think that we forget that God is supernatural. He is outside the realm of space, outside the realm of time, outside the realm of matter. And he's not just a superhuman. He's not just us on steroids and, and, and times 10. He is supernatural. And the way he deals with us is supernatural. And the way he wants his children to reflect his glory is in a supernatural way. Amen. So let's begin to talk about what that would look like, moving in the supernatural in a new way. Let's begin with the word. As it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. This is a, a verse that we've, we've all read before, we've all heard taught before, but I want to start with this verse because this is pivotal to this month, in my opinion. The way God has created his children, mankind, is we need a memory. We need a memory to attach what we're seeing so that we know a place to categorize and we know how to categorize what we're seeing. And God is saying, I know that I've created you this way. And yet, I'm going to tell you 
that what is coming, what I want to do through you, through your hands and your feet, through your testimony, through your relationships, through your finances, through your gifting, what I want to do through you, you have not seen before. And some of us have been raised in the church and we've seen some wonderful, amazing, miraculous things. Some of you have not been raised in the church. Some of you actually were raised in a home where, where they didn't believe that God existed. And you have seen some miraculous, amazing things. Salvation is an amazing miracle. But God is telling us through this word and what the pastors are feeling, what the leadership is, is, is believing God is saying to us is it's time for him to start stirring his spirit in his children. And for supernatural things, things outside the realm that are explainable, things outside the realm of what we call the natural way of doing things, those things are going to begin to happen in greater frequency. Because most of you, if I were to ask some of you, maybe not most, but some of you would have a testimony, you would have a story of something that has happened to you that is only explainable by saying, God did that. That was a supernatural move of God. But what we are here to say this month is we want to, to change our eyes. We want to change our ears so that we can begin to recognize that God is going to be doing this with greater and greater frequency. There is a purpose. About, about a year and a half ago, as a leadership, we decided, you know what? We've outgrown the confines of those walls. And you might be thinking, well, there's a little bit more room here. We could, we could bring the chairs back to the doors and we could, I would just invite for those of you that aren't sure we need a bigger facility and more rooms, I invite you to go volunteer in the nursery. I invite you to go volunteer in children's church. We are bursting at the seams with babies. God is blessing us with babies, and we need a bigger facility. But about the time that we decided, you know what? We're going to possess a new land. We're going to possess more territory. We believe it's time. We believe it's time. About the time we determined and we agreed and our leadership is together, guess what begins to happen? Kind of like I would call it like a little shaking, not an earthquake, not a tremor in the earth, but a shaking. Have you ever had your children or your grandchildren go outside and take a crepe myrtle branch and shake it? All the blossoms that fall like snow to the ground. That's what I believe has been happening. And for the last year and a half, instead of going from glory to glory to glory, I feel like we've had a shaking to a shaking to a shaking. And I believe that that's part of God's purpose. Indeed, I know. It's part of God's purpose because there was a point about eight months ago that I was, um, fearful is probably not the right word. I, I can't quite think of the right word. Uh, anxious and apprehensive. Because I thought, Lord, are the things that I see from your hand? If this is from your hand, yes and amen. But I don't want to believe that the enemy has a foothold in anyone's life in our church. 
anyone's finances in our church, anyone's health in our church. And the Lord reassured me, the shaking that I saw was from his hand. He permitted it. And so I'm like, yes, Lord, I, I, I'm okay now. I have that assurance in my heart that all is well. So we've come through to, to today. And there has been a relentlessness about Northwest. A relentless pursuit for generations to work together to serve Christ. I don't know if, if you're new to this church, if you've been here for a while, you know that we are purposeful and intentional about training the young ones. We are purposeful and intentional about putting weight on the shoulders of those that are in elementary school. Appropriate weight. Appropriate weight for those that are going to middle school. Appropriate weight for those that are in high school. Because we believe that we have been called at this church specifically, that the blessing is on this church specifically to train the younger to work with the older. We need the wisdom. We need the strength. We need the zeal. We need the finances of the older working with the younger. Amen. And so in our relentless pursuit of what we believe God has called us to, to do for this body, because everybody, God has, every God, God has called every church to do something different. But for us, it is this. And so in that place that God has called us, in that place he has led us to today, we're now starting to sense there was a purpose greater than what we could see for our focus on the young being trained, the older ones. For those of you that are um, of a certain age, that age is kind of nebulous. We won't say what that age is. <laughs> it changes every year, depending on how old. But you know, people that are around me don't use the word retirement, or they only do it once. Because if you are alive, God has work for you to do. That doesn't mean that we don't change seasons, because we do. I'm not doing the same thing today that I did in my 30s, but we all have work to do. So God is saying to us that you've not seen yet what I plan to do. And he's told us that we haven't seen it or heard it for a reason, and we'll get to that in just a moment. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit, for the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. But the natural man, natural man, of course, meaning the, the person who is not born again, who does not have the Spirit of God living in him, the natural man does not receive the things of God, for they are foolishness to him. And most of us have been around people that, that, that make fun of Christians, that, that they, they think that the things that we do, the things that we believe, the things that we profess are just foolish and nonsense and superstitious, and all the other adjectives that you could use. So we know that, that, that the world, the natural man, thinks it is foolishness. But even more than that, the word says, nor can the natural man know God, know these things, know these deep things, these supernatural things that God is going to show us, they will not see. That doesn't mean they won't see the miracles that are coming, but they won't understand what God is doing. They won't know why. Because they are spiritually discerned. 
there, uh, there was a passage of scripture in Matthew chapter 16 where Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, one of his exchanges with the religious leaders of his day. And he was saying, they kept, the religious leaders kept trying to get Jesus to do a wonder and a sign. They didn't, they didn't, they wanted to see him fail because they didn't believe he was the son of God. And they wanted to catch him in a trick and a trap, all these kinds of things. And so Jesus finally says, look, you people, you, you can look at the weather and you can, you can see the signs that, that's happening in the weather. And that tells you to prepare for the storm or whatever. Why can't you see in the scriptures, what is happening? Why can't you discern? If you can see about the weather, why can't you discern about this? And I believe that's where we are today. I'm going to use Hurricane Irma since it's still so fresh in all of our minds. How many of us still have branches at the curb waiting to be picked up by our faithful city workers? How many of you had your branches already removed? Wow, look around. I, I didn't know there were that many. We're so happy for you. <laughs> Blessings, my sisters and brothers. <laughs> yes, no, that's good. I'm going to use the analogy of Hurricane Irma for just a moment, and then at some point the analogy breaks down. But let me just say this. About a week, starting on Monday, Sunday, Monday of that infamous week, the news, the weather people started having their 24-hour coverage of Hurricane Irma, and I, I'm thankful for that. Because they have all the equipment, and they see the signs, and they know how to read all the barometers and the, all those ometers. And so what did we do? We listened. And then what did most of us do? We believed them, and so we prepared. There were a few that, that didn't. They, you know, did a few things. But most of us took them seriously because we believed the weather reports because they could see the signs and they told us. We believed it and so we prepared. So what we're saying this month is it's time to prepare because we as a leadership see the signs that God is moving in a different way in this church. And it's time to prepare. So how do we prepare for something that's supernatural? How do we, as God's children, prepare for something that he's already said, we're not, we've never seen it before? We, not only have we never seen it before, we can't even imagine what's coming. Some of you guys have a pretty vivid imagination. And some of you guys are real dreamers. I mean, you can really envision a, a, a fantastic future. And that's, I believe that's a gift from God, to be able to dream big dreams. But God is saying, you, I don't care how big your dreams are, you have not seen or heard what I'm preparing for you. And that's so hard for even his children, even believers to comprehend. There's a, there's a reason for that. I want to just share very quickly something that I saw. Oh, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let me, let me read the other scripture first and then we'll get there. This is our, our, our primary scripture for today. This account, this miracle that Jesus does is written in three different gospels and each gospel has a little different way of saying it because the Holy Spirit uses the personality and the gifting of the, of the writer. So Matthew's account is a little different, but we're going to use this one. 
Immediately after this, now this is after the feeding of the 5,000 and all those things they did. You know the disciples were exhausted. But immediately after this, Jesus insisted that the disciples get back into the boat. Now, don't you know they just wanted to go to bed? You know, after an encounter, how tired are we after an encounter? They had been doing an encounter the entire day. Then they cleaned up afterwards. And then Jesus is saying, no, guys, get in the boat. So Jesus insisted they must have put up a little bit of resistance. I don't know. But he insisted they get back in the boat, cross to the other side of the lake. And he stayed and sent all the people home, those thousands of people, he sent them home. After sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Meanwhile, I just, I don't, okay, <laughs> the disciples were in trouble far away from land. These poor guys, they're always stepping into stuff. And they're only obeying what Jesus told them to do, right? It's not like they said, hey, I've got a crazy idea. Let's get back in the boat and row in the middle of the night. No, they're being obedient to what God had told them to do. So meanwhile, they're there in trouble far away from land. For a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. And this isn't this, this part, particular part is not funny. We forget that we're 2,000 years removed from this story. But the, the Sea of Galilee, the, the elevation is lower, so they have strong winds that come through there. Back in 1992, there was um, a story, which wasn't that long ago, there was a story that they had 10-foot waves in the Sea of Galilee, and those waves were so destructive that there's a, a modern city called Tiberias, and that city was, was just knocked apart because of those 10-foot waves. So the Sea of Galilee, this was no joke. The, these waves could have been five, six foot high, and a five-foot high wave can knock you down. For those of you guys that are surfers, girls that are surfers, that's not me, but I know this is some powerful stuff. So these men were fighting for their lives. Battling heavy winds and high waves. So, about 3 o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them, walking on the water. Now, had the disciples ever seen someone walk on water before? This is an important question. Not that we know of, not that we're aware of, and we're not aware that anyone else has since walked on the water in this particular sense. So they see him walking on the water, and they were terrified. Of course, it's also dark, stormy. we got to give them some. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Take courage. Not only don't be afraid, but also take courage. I am here. Then Peter called out to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come on, Jesus said. So Peter went over to the other side of the boat, walked on the water toward Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and waves, he was terrified, and he began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith. Why did you doubt me? When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. Then disciples worshipped him. You really are the Son of God, they exclaimed. How are we supposed to react when we see something that's unprecedented? How are we supposed to react 
we see something that we've not seen before. How are we supposed to react when we're faced with the reality that our brain is telling us that can't be real, it can't be true? One of the ways that God created us is that we need to attach what we see with the memory that already exists. I think that's one of the reasons that, that he has put in his word, I know that's how I've created you, but I'm telling you now so that you can be looking for what I'm going to do because you will not have a memory of what I'm going to do like this. There was a, a, a TED Talk, and I don't watch a lot of TED Talks, but this one was interesting. There was a man named Al Seckel, S-E-C-K-E-L, and his talk was all about visual perception and sensory illusion. So there you go. It was more interesting than the title says. But I stayed awake just long enough to get this one thing out of it. It was, very, it was actually quite interesting. And he was showing a picture of, it was, it was a drawing, so something like you would see at a museum. It wasn't a pornographic image or anything like that. But it was a picture of, of a couple, a man and a woman, in an intimate embrace. So like I said, it was like something you would see in a museum, so it was kind of one of those artsy things. So he showed this picture, and then you can see it on the, the screen when you're watching the TED Talk. And you can see immediately it's a man and a woman in an intimate embrace. So he takes the same picture, and he rounds up a bunch of children, a whole room full of children, uh, under a certain age, very, very young. And he shows these children the same picture. And without exception, not a one of those children saw a couple in an intimate embrace. Now, when you see the picture... There's no doubt that's what it is. You want to know what all these children saw? Most of the children saw nine dolphins when they looked at that picture. Now, I'm, when, he, when he's explaining this, I'm scratching my head trying to count. Maybe that's a dolphin if I look, you know, but nine dolphins, I don't know. But his point was well taken. His point goes back to the scripture, and his point is what I want you to hear this morning. They, these children had no point of reference for a man and a woman in an intimate embrace, which was a good thing. These were young, young children. They had no need to be sexualized at that point. But his point was they had no memory to associate with what they were seeing. So they didn't see the thing that I saw because I had a memory to associate with that. I'm older, I'm married, I'm whatever, much like you. But these children had nothing to attach to what they were seeing. So they saw nine dolphins skipping around the page. So when Jesus says, when God says to us, you ha you've not seen it before. You don't have a memory. I know I did, I did mighty wonders in the past. I'm going to do something that you've not seen before, but it will be supernatural. It will be something supernatural. It won't be something you can do in your own strength plus a little bit stronger. It will be supernatural. And so I'm telling you, we need to have eyes to see what we have no memory for right now. Amen? Amen. The first thing that they said was, it's a ghost. And because, as I said, one of the reasons they were afraid, they were tired, but also they'd never 
they'd never seen anybody walking on the water. They, they didn't know that someone could walk on the water. So they never in a million years thought, it's Jesus walking to us on the water. So what is God going to do in your family, in your marriage, with your business, in this church? What is he going to do that we're going to be tempted to disbelieve because we've not seen it that way before? For some of us, when God says, I'm going to give you a marriage so strong that generations will rise up and bless my name. But all you know is you come from a family of divorce. You've never seen anything other than couples cohabiting or couples that live together for a few years and then that's it. That's all you've ever known. That's all you've ever seen. So when Jesus gives you a supernatural word saying, I'm going to begin a new line with you. I'm going to begin a new work with you. Is our first reaction going to be, it's a ghost. Because we've not seen anything. We have no memory of a healthy marriage. We have no memory of our parents treating each other with respect. We have no memory. But God is saying, I'm going to do something new. And I'm going to do something new with us. As a leadership in this church, our, our, our small group leaders, our pastors, we believe that God is stirring in a new way. And we're saying, believe. Believe with us. Believe with us for what we cannot begin to understand in this moment. The waves were over their head. It's a ghost. Everyone is familiar with this sentence. You have to see it to believe it, right? I'm going to give you another sentence that's even more true, that really applies to what we're talking about this morning, what I'm saying to you. Let's say this together. You have to, you have to believe it to see it. Just let that, let that sink in for a moment. You have to believe before you will see. Well, why doesn't God just overpower me? Why doesn't he just, I just, so I can't even stand. I just want it to be so marvelous. I can't. He wants us to believe in him. To believe that we will do works greater. Like he said. We have to believe it before we'll see it. Do you believe you can have a marriage that is unparalleled? Do you believe you can have a business that glorifies God? Even if yours is the only one in this industry that will? Do you believe that God wants to use your children, your husband, your wife, your hands, your finances, your gifting? Do you believe God wants to use you? Do you believe that God is saying, I'm going to do something so spectacular you've never seen it before? Do you believe it? We need to believe it before we'll see it. Because miracles will be happening all around. People will be giving testimony after testimony after testimony. Well, what about me? What about me? Why is God blessing them? Why is God? I love what the Bible says about Mary. 
that she was blessed because she believed God. She believed God. She didn't know how it could happen. She had no idea even what the Holy Spirit was talking about when he said that even though she was a virgin, she would bear a son. But the Bible says, blessed is she who believed. She believed it before she saw it. And that's what we're asking you this morning. Will you believe with us that God is going to do something supernatural? We don't know what it will look like either. But we want to do this together. Let's continue very quickly. We have something special. The second thing they were fighting is discouragement. It says a strong wind was blowing and they were fighting heavy waves. I don't know if any of you have been so tired. I'm sure most of you have. So tired that you just don't think you can lift your arms up or you can't. That's where the disciples were. They, were. they were actually fighting for their lives. I know that some of you are sitting here this morning and you think, you believe, you know that a heavy wind is blowing against your marriage. You know it. You see all the signs. You are discouraged and you are defeated. There is a heavy wind blowing against your relationship with your spouse. And you are so discouraged and you are so tired and you are so exhausted, but you know that God puts you together. You know what is the righteous thing to do. Can you believe? The waves were over their head. The wind was blowing so strong, and that's when the miracle came. When we first started this church, um, you know, 20 plus, 25 plus years ago, we weren't in this building at the time. We were another place, and they needed a, a, a down payment or whatever, some kind of security. And, you know, we, at the time, the, the church was young people, young, young, young people. None of us had, none of us had any, you know, real money to speak of. So what we did... Pastor Mark and I, we signed away our home, not a house, our home, as collateral. I said, if this doesn't work, you have our home. And they go, that's a deal. We'll take that. We'll take that bet. We were in over our head. We couldn't see the bottom. It says the disciples had rode out. Three and a half miles. Now, the Sea of Galilee is seven and a half miles wide and 15 miles long. So if they rode three and a half miles, that's roughly halfway to the lake. They couldn't see the shore. They couldn't touch bottom. They were in the fight of their life with no bearing point to see. That's how I felt when we started the church. We, were in, we weren't in over our heads, but we had sunk everything into the belief that God had called this church into existence. And that this church specifically would have an anointing for generations. That our children would have the same passion for God that we have. That we would not end up being one of those churches where it's just old people and the children move away because they don't have a vision for God. We knew that there was an anointing, a deep stirring in our heart to have a place where our sons and daughters, their sons and daughters would serve God with passion. 
We couldn't see the shore. But that's when miracles happen. When we, when we knock out all those underpinnings that, that we can kind of lean back on that. Well, if all else fails, we still have this. If all else fails, we still have our home. If all else fails, we have... We put all our chips in the middle of the table. We couldn't see the shore. And we couldn't touch the bottom. And here we are. Here you are. And we're at the place, we meaning our church... Where God is saying, will you trust me? I'm calling you to go into deep waters, but I will not leave you. I'm right there walking on the water beside you. I want to do supernatural things. So we're going to have to fight disbelief. We're going to have to fight discouragement. We're going to have to fight fatigue. When those thoughts come, say, well, this, call this a marriage? You call this a business? You call this a home? You call this? What is God saying to you? He has a word for you. He has a word for your family. He said in that first verse that we've never heard, we haven't seen, of course, and that we've also not ever, we've not even heard the things that he is ready to reveal to us. Now, we know those things will never go contrary to the word of God. We know those things will always line up with his spirit and what he's already revealed to us. Some of you might think, well, I've never heard God speak to me. I've I, I read the scriptures and I know that God's alive and, and all that, but I've never gotten a word that I can say God spoke that to me. We're here to say that that is going to change. He said, your ears have not heard the things that I want to reveal to you. Do you believe that you are one of those people that he wants to speak to, that he wants to reveal his secrets to. I can't even imagine what a God's secret is. We'll be like the Old Testament prophets that go, it's too wonderful for me to even contemplate. It's too wonderful to even think about. But we are his sons and we are his daughters and he wants to use us to do supernatural things in this city. And we are just silly enough to believe that that's truth. And we want you to believe it with us. Lord, if it's really you talking to me this morning, if it's really you, ask me to come. If you think that God is talking to you, I want you to come. I want you to come.